This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Ryder and his co-workers are co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. And speaking of investing, we often get calls about where and how to invest. So today, Ryder's going to help us by going through some of the services that brokers offer uh, so you'll be aware of what's available when you try to make an investment. We also, as always, will be looking for any general personal finance questions that you have. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven. Or you can email the show money at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Ryder. Hope that you enjoyed your Labor Day uh, holiday. Good morning. Yes, I did. I was on the tennis court all day. So uh, laboring on the tennis court. Exactly. It was a hot but uh, occasional cloud cover so it wasn't too bad so I had a, had a good time and I figured if I wasn't out playing tennis I would have probably been sitting in my house doing nothing so <laughs> glad to get out and get the exercise I did a little bit of nothing so. well that that's always good too that, I did a lot of nothing after being at the tennis court all day so uh, that's for sure uh, why don't we start off by uh, financial news in the news uh, well since uh, it was yesterday Labor Day I thought we'd just kind of go over a couple of Labor Day f- uh, facts I guess um, of course it's it's important to remember, you know, why do we have Labor Day? What is the point of Labor Day? And of course, it's to kind of um, honor, respect the contributions of organized labor to uh, to America. Um, you know, you always you, you, you hear about it just a little bit in school about how working conditions were um, in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, how people worked, you know, 12 hour days, they worked seven day weeks, things like that. Uh, and, and labor was the backbone of America built America. Uh, and so the organized labor movement basically just is there to advocate for, for workers. And, you know, these days you hear a lot about, you know, what unions are doing and you hear good things, you hear bad things and you hear, oh, they're striking and you don't know why, but essentially they're just there to advocate for workers. They're there to make sure that, you know, when you say you're, you have an eight hour work day, there's not someone making you work nine or 10 or 11 hours and keeping you away from your family or making you work too hard. They're making sure that you have, that your benefits get honored, that, you know, if they say you have health care, then you get covered. Um, and they brought you things like the weekend, which is a really great development that everybody appreciates. Um, and so one of the things, just looking at uh, the importance of labor in America, we look at a number, which is the labor share of GDP. So how much of our GDP is actually just people's paychecks? And that's actually been in decline for 
decades. Uh, it used to be maybe around 65, 66%. I was just checking earlier. It's around 60%. So that's a fairly significant decline. You know, you don't think a couple percent, you know, if you lost a couple percent here or there, you don't really notice. But on the whole scale of America, that's a lot. And uh, a lot of that just has a way, uh, the way we've shifted how people get paid, um, how the economy is, a lot more service sector jobs, which don't get counted as cleanly in that number. Um, but also just uh, people's uh, benefit packages being cut and um, people on top CEOs making a lot more. And also people falling out at the bottom um, as as uh, the economy advances and leaves some folks behind. Um, they aren't getting paychecks anymore, so they fall out of that too. So that's that's where all that goes. Uh, and just kind of, those are things I was thinking about since it was Labor Day yesterday. All right. Uh, our focus today is investing. Uh, we've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. And by the way, we are going to be tracking the tropical storm that's uh, expected to develop into a hurricane. Gordon, I believe they've named it uh, throughout the day. So uh, anytime there's uh, significant information to pass along to you, we'll be sure to have that for you. So keep tuned to MPB throughout the day. So the uh, genesis, uh, I think if I'm using the term correctly, for our discussion this morning is a Kiplinger.com article called The Most Overlooked Broker Perks. So let's start off simply, uh, Ryder, what is a broker? Uh, so we're going to be talking about mon- ma- Bella. Mostly online brokers today. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear Nancy and I refer to them as discount brokers. Uh, and then the, the technical term that you hear in, in regulatory language is a broker dealer. Um, and a broker dealer is that's where you have your account. Um, they are they serve as they can serve as custodian. That means they hold your money, much like a bank does. Um, they serve as broker, so they can affect trades for you. You can say, I want to buy 100 shares of Coca Cola. They're the ones going out to the market. Market and getting those hundred shares for you, um, or a dealer, so they can they can have um, they can have stocks on hand that you can buy from them. So you don't really notice the difference if you buy it from them or someone else. But that's just the uh, distinction we make in in finance. They're called a broker dealer, and and I just want to point out that's distinct from um, what Nancy and I do. We are investment advisors, um, so we can place trades on people's behalf, but we still have to go to a broker to do that. We still have to have money at a custodian uh, where the accounts are. Um, We do all sorts of other things to keep track of that and to ensure performance is measured well and uh, provide other services. But uh, the broker, dealer, um, also custodian, that's where the money actually is and who is making those technical um, trades for you. Uh, Do some brokers offer advice to their clients on where to invest? Uh, yes, and and traditionally uh, in the past, you know, people, when people have talked about going to their broker, maybe you know uh, Charles Schwab has always had a lot of uh, broker networks. Uh, you know, there are Charles Schwab shops everywhere. Um, Merrill Lynch, uh, typically for wealthier investors, um, but they will have a broker who who you know says, oh, you know, you should buy this or you should buy that. Um, yeah, again, we, you know, we've made the distinction between how a broker might give you advice and how an investment advisor gives you advice. Um, keep in mind, the broker does work for the brokerage house. They don't directly work for you. Um, 
so yeah, they can give you advice. They can they can point you in the right direction. Uh, they can answer your questions, that sort of things. But with a lot of this moving more and more online, um, a lot of them do have uh, tools online where you can say you know answer a little quiz to see how you. Uh, how risk tolerant you are and what uh, what you should invest in based on your risk tolerance. So they give you some advice, although in my experience, people of any type, uh, all ages, love having a human who they can bounce back and forth with. So as we discuss uh, brokers versus personal or financial advisors, uh, the, the term fiduciary responsibility comes up. If you could remind us of what that is. Yes. So fiduciary responsibility is when whoever you're working with, um, they are required to act in your best interests. Um, and then you often hear this in the case of, you know, a trustee for a trust or maybe a lawyer has a fiduciary duty if they're handling a money for you or a contract for you. Um, and investment advisors uh, have always had a fiduciary duty. It's a legal fiduciary duty uh, to their clients. Um, they have to act in their clients' best interests. And, and what that means in practice is we work really hard to eliminate conflicts of interest. Um, so we don't take any commissions. We don't take any uh, money. We don't even uh, really take take gifts of much value from anybody else. So, um, so there's nobody else paying us, uh, for the advice that we give. The only people who are paying us are our clients. Um, so that's what a fiduciary is. And then the other standard, the suitability standard, which has traditionally been held to, uh, brokers have been held to that is they have to be advising that you, you know, Whatever they recommend to you has to be it has to be good for you. It has to make sense for you. You know, if you're an aggressive investor, you know they can't. You know, it would be uh, a breach of their duty to say, "Oh yeah, you should keep all of your money in cash." If you're someone who just, you know, want, wants a lot of risk uh, to to try for a lot of return, that would be a breach. Uh, likewise, if you are an old, if you're a retiree and you're just this is your only account and you're living out of it, and you know you, you have enough enough money to, to withdraw every month, it would be a breach of their duty to put you in something so aggressive that your money might not be there the next month. Um, so that's the sort of, those are two extreme examples of what um, suitability means. You know, they have to make sure it's, it's appropriate for you. All right. Uh, before we dive into our list, let's take our first break this hour. Uh, if you have personal finance questions or f- uh, questions about investment this morning, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. Do you know the name of the two major stock exchanges in the U.S.? What about the names of other major stock exchanges around the world? We'll have that bit of information for you after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're talking primarily about investment today, but we're always looking for your general personal finance questions as well. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. And as I mentioned earlier, the uh, we're using uh, a source material for our list of uh, overlooked broker perks. Uh, it's an article at Kiplinger.com. Uh, Kiplinger is a Washington, D.C.-based publisher of business forecasts and personal financial advice. It's available in print and online. So let's begin uh, with number one on the list, and it's income estimator. Oh, wait. Are we going to get back to our exciting question? Oh, thank had? you. Yeah. Thank you. I was, I'm, I'm ready for this. <laughs> I want to see the phone, phone light up with all the answers. I want to see this. Okay, so we did. We asked about the name of the two major stock exchanges in the U.S. and other major stock exchanges around the world. In the U.S., the New York Stock Exchange, uh, Mr. Howell's favorite, uh, and the NASDAQ are the largest. Uh, NASDAQ is an acronym that means National Association of Securities Dealers Automated Quotations. And that's because the NASDAQ started as purely computer trading. Uh, so the New York Stock Exchange actually still have a floor, and they're still, I mean, you know, it's a favorite of, look, CNBC or any financial news to go do an interview on the floor. It's mainly it's mainly a prop now, but they still do actually do trading. There are human beings out there shouting at other human beings saying, hey, I need to buy 100,000 shares of this. Who's going to sell them to me? And, and, and that's one way that uh, stocks actually end up getting traded. Mr. Howell, by the way, is a character on Gilligan's Island who was a billionaire. <laughs> so, he, like I said, his favorite was the New York Stock there Exchange. Uh, ranking third and fourth in the world are the Japanese Exchange Group and the Shanghai Stock Exchange. Mm, okay. All right. So, as I said, let's jump into our list. Thank you for reminding me to answer that question. Uh, income estimators is number one on the list. Yeah. So, this is important. A lot of people do... Uh, live out of their accounts. Um, you, you know, you work all your life and then you retire. And when you retire, that is, you are living out of all the money you've already made. Uh, and so hopefully you, you have some stocks. Um, if your stocks are providing you income, you know, they pay out dividends. Uh, some of them pay out special dividends irregularly. Uh, some of them uh, most of them do stick to a regular schedule. It's typically every three months. Uh, some will pay uh, every month. Uh, some will pay once a year. Some will pay a regular one every three months and then a special one once a year. Um, and they de- usually declare these things a few months in advance. Uh, and so sometimes it's very easy to know when they're paying out, and they're very reliable about it. Uh, so that's what a dividend estimator does is it kind of puts all those numbers together on a calculator, uh, on a calendar, so you can see when you're going to have money coming in. Just to make sure you have some cash there uh, if you're making regular withdrawals. Um, of course, if you are you know, living out of your account making regular withdrawals, it is very, very, very prudent to have uh, a little, a handful of cash there anyway, uh, just just in case you miss some days, just in case you need to take a little extra out, uh, and of course some of your some of your money will be invested in bonds, which pay out interest uh, also on a regular schedule, and that is a contractually set out um, defined calendar of payments until that bond matures. So so those those payment calculator uh, 
payment calendars, they can be useful for seeing, you know, when do I have money coming in? Is it gonna is it gonna cover my bills in time? All right, and so we're again talking about the most overlooked broker perks. In this case, could possibly your broker send you an email and say, Hey, don't forget this month you're getting X dollars? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is something that happens um for me, uh, we use TD Ameritrade Institutional for, as, as our broker, which is actually different from the TD Ameritrade most people get. But they will send us a warning anytime that there's a withdrawal going out where there, there's not quite the cash available. Um, and, and sometimes it's just a case of, you know, we know that the cash is going to be there. You know, trade is settling. Something's coming in. A dividend is coming. Uh, but they just want to keep us abreast of things like that. Um, but I believe uh, for retail accounts, they will also give you a warning. Um, if, if you don't have the money and you're trying to take it out. Uh, we're looking for your questions about investment or personal finance questions this morning, and the phone lines are open, so give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Email the show. It's money at mpbonline.org. In between your phone calls, we're talking about the most overlooked broker perks. Uh, this is an article from Kiplinger. Uh, number two is free funds. Now, free, that, that sounds good. Hey, um, and and I realize that free funds is a little bit misleading. Like, you know, I wish I could get a share of Coca-Cola for free. It's not how it works. What they mean is there's no commission on the trade. There's no trade fee. Uh, sometimes there will be a, even even for things which are free to trade, there might be a small regulatory fee or an exchange fee. Just Those sometimes happen. There are a few pennies sometimes. Um, but a lot of brokers now have... Uh, so, so the major brokers that you can get to just go online, open up account, going to be Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Fidelity. I uh, believe those are going to be the big ones. Yeah, those are the big three. Uh, Schwab is actually very good I think for retail customers. If you just want to walk up to, well, a website, if you just want to log into one of these websites and open an account, uh, Schwab is very good. Uh, Fidelity, their strong suit is really with 401k, so that's how they get a lot of people is they say, hey, you have a 401k with me. How about you open up a regular account? Uh, so that's kind of where their expertise lies. And uh, TD Ameritrade is just good at pulling a lot of different things in. They've they've bought up a number of smaller brokers over the years. They recently bought E-Trade, uh, which they just all have different ways of appealing to customers. So that's how TD Ameritrade has grown. Schwab, I believe, started with started making their own line of ETFs, just exchange traded funds, which track a few indices. And not only were they very low cost, but they didn't charge for uh, they didn't charge a trading fee. And uh, TD Ameritrade had done this as well, and I believe Fidelity did this. Um, and Fidelity now has. Uh, two funds that have 0% expense ratio, so they don't even charge an annual fee, and they have no minimum investment, uh, so that's uh, awesome for someone just starting out. You know, Maybe you're just like, I want to start with $100. Sometimes there'll be a minimum investment, and that can uh, stand in people's way. And they also don't have a trading fee. And both of these are mutual funds. They have a, a total market index, F-Z-R-O-X, and then the international index, which is F-Z-I-L-X, and if you kind of read them out loud, they kind of sound fun, like F0X and F-Zilch-X, um, so implying that zero expense ratio and zero fees. Um, 
So uh, the zero expense ratio, it's a little bit of a gimmick because expense ratios have come down so far. You can get um, from, you know, Vanguard or even State Street or BlackRock uh, an ETF that tracks, you know, the 500 or 1,000 largest U.S. stocks for less than... 5% of 1%, so 0.05%, which is almost free. Going down to zero from there, I mean, you're saving, what's that, like five cents for every thousand dollars you invest? Something like that. So um, it's a little bit of a gimmick, but I mean, hey, man, five cents is five cents, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the, the totally free checking. When I first got my checking account, there was something similar where no minimum balance, no monthly, mm -hmm. no annual fee, that sort of thing. So it is a, probably a good mm -hmm. way to try to attract a kind of new investors in there. Yeah, it is. And, and it's very good because fees, uh, over time, fees can eat up your returns. Um, and, and especially... They've gotten much lower. Like I said, they've gotten so much lower in the past decade. Um, but, you know, if you were tra being charged 1% fees on things, you know, if you made, you know, if your account returned 8%, you only got 7%. Um, but now you're, you're getting closer and closer to getting all of that return. So for folks listening uh, this morning, these are things that they might, when they go to a, pr a prospective broker, ask about, do you have this? Do you have free funds? That sort mm -hmm. of thing. So uh, things to keep in mind while we go through the list. Uh, and we're also still looking for your personal finance questions. Give us a call with some open phone lines at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. On to number three on the list: rock bottom commissions. <laughs> so a commission is a commission is the fee you pay when you place a trade. Um, and these used to be more important when there were a lot more humans involved because this is kind of feels like no, oh, this is how that person gets paid. Uh, now they still exist. There there are still fees that everyone has to pay when a, when a trade is placed and so this is just this is one of the ways that brokerages uh, make money and uh, so previously we talked about a lot of people have free to trade ETFs um, so when we're talking about their commissions that's on pretty much anything else other ETFs which aren't free to trade uh, stocks mutual funds things like that um, this points out that Fidelity, uh, they charge uh, $5 a trade, Schwab charges $5 a trade, TD Ameritrade, $7 a trade. I think that's still right. And uh, those are the big three. And if this shouldn't actually be one of the biggest thing again now that they've all come down a, a good bit you know nobody's charging you know 25 bucks for a trade anymore uh, then you, they're all pretty comparable because one you shouldn't be trading that often two uh, if you are kind of setting this account up for long term and you are going to be putting money in every month and therefore going to be buying something every month you know you can do that with these free to trade ETFs uh, which are low cost and you can you know they're kind of designed to be set and forget anyway um, all of this you know you're going to need to get good advice on what to invest in but but again the you know saving a dollar here or so on the commission again that's not as big a deal as the those commissions coming down from 50 or 25 dollars um so again, they all offer pretty pretty good rates. If you are someone who's going to be trading a lot, I hope you know what you're doing. Uh, but there are some uh, there are some brokers out there that are better for that. Uh, this particularly mentions that uh, E-Trade will drop their commission if you do uh, drop their commission down to five dollars if you do a lot of trades. Um, 
Ally and Vest. I'm not a big fan of these smaller ones, and I have um, conveniently just forgotten the name of the one, which is probably the best if you want to do frequent trades. When I remember that, I will say it again. All right. Before our next break, let's get a phone call or two in. We begin with Sally in Canton. Good morning, Sally. You're with us on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for your program. Um, I'm calling uh, about uh, RMDs and mm-hmm. um, what is the, um, well, I'm at that age, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, what it can, how can I take it away if I don't, if I don't need to use it mm-hmm. right at the time? Uh, can I reinvest it or... Absolutely. Uh, yes. The the thing with RMD is you ha- and what she's referring to just for our broader listeners is uh, required minimum distributions. And this is out of any IRA or 401k type account. You've been putting money in, putting, putting money in your whole life. You've been getting a tax break on that. Uh, but the IRS says that when you turn 70 and a half, which is the year in which you are mostly 70, uh, when you turn 70 and a half, you need to start taking those required minimum distributions. Distributions, and they start at about uh, it starts at about a little less than four percent of your account, but you have to take it out of that account. Um, but you can do whatever you want with it once it's out. You can spend it. You can just stick it in a bank account. You can open just a regular brokerage account, and that might be an option for you uh, if you just really don't don't think you need it and think you can just. Invest it again for the long term, or you know, maybe save for save for children or grandchildren's education, things like that. Um, you can get a regular brokerage account and just stick it in there and invest it just the way you would your four hundred and one k. You don't get any special okay. tax treatment, but you can just keep it invested. Uh, okay, so what's a regular brokerage account? Uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah, so that. Well, what is- what, what is a regular brokerage account? Well, that's what we're talking about today. Um, and depending on where your uh, – is this your 401K or your IRA you're talking about? Uh, for, uh, 403B. A 403B? Ooh. Okay. So this is probably not held at one of the major brokerages, but what you it's can – It's valid. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry for you. Um, what well, you – what we're talking about today is how to open up those brokerage accounts. And like I said, kind of three big ones are TD Ameritrade, Charles Schwab, or Fidelity. Uh, if you're not working with an investment advisor, then you can just open up one of these yourself. Um, Charles Schwab, again, is very good for just your regular person who wants to just walk up and open up an account. They're very good for retail customers like yourself. Um, but any of these are good options. And you can just open up an account there. It's They may call it a taxable account. They may call it an individual account, but it's not an IRA of any type. Um, There's no special tax treatment besides the uh, preferential tax rates that you get on those accounts. And um, you just open up an account, and they can show you how to set up to move money into it from your bank account or from your 403B. And uh, they can give you a little bit of guidance on how to invest it. Otherwise, if you're not comfortable doing that on your own, I would suggest you work with an investment advisor who can do all of that for you. Uh, so when the RMD is taken out, does that reduce your overall balance? Yes, it does. So the RMD does come directly out of your IRA or your 403B as it is. 
Uh, so that will reduce that balance. If you have $100,000 in it now, you take out 4000 for the RMD, you have $96,000 left. That's, that's going to happen. Uh, additionally, they will typically withhold tax from what you take out. So a little bit of that, for, you know, that money that you take out as RMD will have to be paid in tax. There's not a lot you can do about that because taxes are taxes and the IRS knows how to find you. Um, they may not withhold the taxes from it, but you will still owe the taxes on it. Um, so overall, yeah, you'll have less money in that 403B definitely the next day. It can, it can continue growing, though. It might be bigger next year. And you will have a little less money than you withdrew if you had to pay taxes on that. All right, Sally, we appreciate your call. Let's take another break. When we get back, we'll go a couple of things. We've got another question for you. Scott's on the line from Jackson. Scott, please hold on. We'll get to your question right after the break. We're talking today about investing and also looking for general personal finance questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring one 672 Hey, do you know what the Dow Jones Industrial Average is? We'll have that answer for you when we get back, and we'll talk to Scott in Jackson. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're primarily talking about investing this morning, but looking for general personal finance questions as well. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Before the break, we asked about what the Dow Jones Industrial Average is. It's a price-weight average of 30 significant stocks traded on the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. As of August 14th, some of the companies on the Dow Jones Industrial are 3M, Apple, Coca-Cola, ExxonMobil, Goldman Sachs, Johnson & Johnson, and about 24 others. So it is the, the big boys, we might say, companies uh, that I'm sure most people are, are more than aware of. Yeah, and so an index, uh, the Dow Jones was originally devised, and that was probably the first index that we use, um, still use, uh, just to give people an idea of how American stocks are doing. If you hear the Dow Jones is up, then you know, generally American stocks are up. And so that's what indices do. They just track a big basket of stocks. Uh, just to get, it's just an informational thing, really. They've gotten a lot more important in recent decades. We talk a lot about index funds, which are funds, and instead of trying to pick out the best stocks, they just say, well, you know what? We have an index. It's a list of stocks. Let's just buy all those anyway. And we know we're not going to do worse than that index, at least. Uh, we're talking today about overlooked broker perks, some things to think about when you're looking for a broker or services that you might ask if they offer. But first, let's get some phone calls. We start again uh, with Scott and Jackson. Scott, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. 
Hey, thank you for your show. Uh, I do have a traditional 401k to my employer, but also I started using an app, Stockpile. Stockpile. Hey, have you heard of that app? I've not heard of that one, no. Yeah. You know, I guess it's something like I, I buy a stock, I bought a um, thing, I bought Ford, and I bought uh, Ready, I think it's a fire, excuse me, the company Ready. And I started off with, I think, about $200 about three months ago, and now I'm down to about 170 So it's, you know, <laughs> it's just It's I'm a learning say. experience. I just had, uh, just, that's why I just had a question about uh, that app, and uh, that's sim- sort of similar to what you're talking about today, about going to, like, maybe DD Meritrader or mm-hmm. a swap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have not heard of that app. Uh, one thing I would caution: I'm I'm just personally more comfortable with the larger broker dealers uh, than especially a new app that's just come up. There is one app that's fairly large, and I have a little bit of confidence in. And that's Robinhood. Um, uh, one issue I have with apps is. There's just it's very difficult for them to deliver all of the information you really need to be well informed in an app. Um, yeah, they can do it, but the likelihood of you actually looking through it is pretty slim. Um, also, just the resources of a Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Fidelity—they are much bigger. They are much better capitalized. Uh, when things get weird, they have a lot more resources. When you have questions, they can answer them a lot better than a lot of these apps that just—they they don't have the size. They don't. Have have the experience that these other companies do, and, and this is important when you're you're trusting this organization with your money. It's important that you can trust that they've been here for years and that they will be here for years. Um, again, when you're just playing playing around with a couple hundred dollars, you know that's fine. You know as long as you know, as long as you're kind of setting yourself, you're saying, "Look, this is just this couple hundred dollars I'm doing. I'm still saving into my 401k, and that's and that's." where the bulk of my money is going to be. Um, and if you just want to get your feet wet by buying, selling, making a little money, losing a little money on some stocks, that's fine. And it's a good education. Um, but if you wanted to do it in a more serious fashion, um, set up a more uh, systematic savings program and, 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 and save into some, you know, s- some index funds on a more regular basis, I would suggest you go with one of these, these larger companies. All right, Scott. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank thanks for your call, Scott. Uh, next, we have uh, Charles on the line from Brookhaven. Good morning, Charles. You're on. Go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for the show. I had a question about the Roth IRA. I've been in mine for about eight or nine years. Mm-hmm. Can I take it all out tax-free or just first in, first out? Um, so with the Roth, okay, and, and just for our uh, listeners at, at large, uh, the Roth IRA is uh, what I will always call it the best deal going in tax evasion. Um, it is, <clears throat> for, any, for any CPAs <laughs> listening, it's not tax evasion, guys. It's fine. Um, it, what happens is you, you pay money when you, when you, you pay taxes when you earn the money, and then you put it in your Roth IRA, and you never get taxed on it again. Uh, so there's no special benefit for putting money into the Roth IRA, uh, but when you take money out, uh, it, it's grown tax-free, and you withdraw it tax-free. Uh, so a couple of rules about that. You said you've had it in there eight or nine years. Typically, after f- uh, if the Roth has been established for five years, if the money's been in there for at least five years, then it's fine to withdraw. Um, you can generally always withdraw the basis that you put in, and then, of course, um, 
you know, in retirement, you know, w- once it's been open five years, you know, you're retired, you know, whatever, you can take money uh, out all you like. But uh, th- there's a there's a couple of rules about taking money out of a Roth IRA. And uh, so I would look at that five year rule uh, and also the rule of withdrawing your basis. Yeah, that was my question, because I put some in last year that did mm. real well. Can I take it out 12 months after it's been in there? Plus oh, the um, without I mean, without seeing your account, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, where is your Roth custody at? It's TD Ameritrade. Uh, and do you work with an advisor? Yes. OK, well, so is that a TD Ameritrade advisor or do you have an independent advisor? Independent. OK, Um I would I would check with them about that uh, again without knowing the exact amounts and everything. Um, I'm not exactly sure, uh, but think of you know you know how much you had put in la- uh, you know over five years ago, what that had grown to, um, because when it comes to it, if you had you know multiple like uh contributions into it uh then it's it's it doesn't matter so much that your recent purchase did well so much as your total amount still had an amount you wanted to withdraw if that yeah, makes sense I put in 6500 a year that's all I could put mm-hmm. right you know yeah okay, you, you probably can oh, okay that's my thank general you. answer all right, Charles, but as I said, I might want to check with your advisor on that one just to be sure. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're taking investment que- investment questions this morning. The phone number to call if you'd like to join the conversation is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show money at mpbonline.org. Kiplinger.com has provided us a list that we're using this morning, uh, the most overlooked broker perks. We're talking about some things, so uh, if you're looking for a broker, there's some things that you might ask if they offer some services. Uh, yeah, go ahead. And so what I was going to say, uh, we were talking about major brokerages earlier, and there were, we were talking about commissions. Uh, if, if you do want to just trade a lot, and you want a, a broker that's going to be good for that, uh, the one that's generally good for that is interactive brokers. They have very low commissions. They also work with a lot of products with um, futures and options. They have a lot of tools to make trading easier. Again, if you are trading frequently, I certainly hope you know what you are doing uh, before you get into it. Uh, our earlier caller, Scott, mentioned uh, apps. And so number four on our list is cutting edge platforms, a perk that some uh, brokers offer. Yeah. So Essentially, there's a lot of different features. There's a lot of different tools that brokers can have to help you with your investments, uh, with your trading. Uh, you know, and that starts with uh, tools to assess uh, to assess what sort of risk level you are. Uh, even tools to to figure out what funds might be appropriate for you. Even recommend funds you might not have thought of or might not have been exposed to otherwise. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different. Uh, there's some that are a little more gimmicky, and I know this mentions uh, you can you can chat with Alexa to get stock market information, quotes, and updates, things like that. Uh, TD Ameritrade, you can ask questions or execute a trade through direct messages on Twitter, which I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> um, apparently, you can also use Facebook Messenger or iPhone Messages app as well. Um, that's that's a little iffy. I like something that's a, not the most confidence-inspiring uh, way to place 
a trade that I can think of. But you know, the world is changing, and you do. It is good that they do have multiple avenues that you can interact uh, with your broker. Um, again, for someone who is uh, setting money aside, doesn't need to trade in it too much. Um, going to a website once every couple of months probably isn't going to hurt you. Uh, but if you're someone who likes to check on things a lot, being able to uh, check on your account balance or check on how a trade did via a text message is is a pretty cool feature. All right. Uh, this is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're going to take our final break of the hour. We've got Mary on the line from Madison. Mary, if you'll hang on, we'll get to your call after this break. Uh, also, we've been asking a couple of interesting questions this morning. Our last question is, think about ticker tape parades. Well, do you know when ticker tape was discontinued as a way to broadcast stock prices? We'll have that answer for you. And we'll talk to Mary and Madison after this break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspective. We've been talking primarily about investing this morning, but always look for your personal finance questions as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Call us at one 672 7464 Email the show, money at org. Okay, for, before the break, we asked when uh, the ticker tape uh, became an obsolete method for broadcasting stock prices. Uh, paper ticker tapes became obsolete in the 1960s as television and computers were increasingly used to transmit financial information. Now, I can imagine, you know, the Mets win the World Series and people are throwing computer monitors out the window. Uh, that might get a little dangerous. Yeah, it's not really not quite the same, is no, it? No, it isn't. <laughs> oh, but now, that's when, now, when now. you know when you see old old photos of old parades uh, and just tape streaming down uh, from windows. That's ticker tape. That's probably printed with, uh, or maybe they were they probably weren't wasting new ticker tape, but <laughs> uh, printed with with uh, stock prices and all their symbols just as they updated live. Now we have phones, and I'm sure that uh, the sanitation department in New York loved those ticker tape parades. <laughs> Uh, as promised, we're going to go to Mary in Madison. Mary, thanks for holding on. You're on the air with us. Hi. I joined the program pretty recent here, but I do have a question about, can you explain the 55 rule for withdrawing um, uh, retirement funds? The 55 rule? Oh, uh, so there are some retirement accounts where you can withdraw as early as 55 without a penalty. I, I believe the 403B, maybe a governmental 457, one of those. Is that is that what you're thinking of? Is that what you have? Um, I, I was told from our retirement account from, uh, from where I, I work that one person had mentioned that, and a lot of people don't know about it. Uh, and so I've been trying to get information about that. 
Um, so there's. Uh, I'm 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 sorry. I didn't hear that last bit. What did you say? I just wanted to know some more information about it because one uh, call when 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 I called for information from uh, my work, mm-hmm. they had mentioned something about the 55 rule, mm-hmm. and I just. I, I didn't know much about it. I don't know anything about it. Sure. So there's a couple ways you can withdraw. And generally speaking, you have to be about uh, 59 and a half to be able to withdraw money penalty-free. That's the important thing, penalty-free from your account. Uh, because the penalty for early withdrawals is typically 10%. Uh, so with the 55 rule, uh, there are cases when, like I said, one, there are a few cases, uh, I believe it's Government 457B plans. So if you were like a state worker, you may have one of those. Uh, the Mississippi Deferred Comp is, is that sort of plan, uh, or can be that sort of plan. Let me revise myself. Um, that's one way. Uh, another way is if from a regular 401k or something, if you've been laid off or something like that, uh, in between, you know, before before you're 59 and a half, uh, you may be able to do. You may be able to make withdrawals penalty free. Um, there's going to be a, a few kind of rules and a few tests. I believe you'll be able to get pretty good information about all of these different ways to withdraw from the IRS website because it is the IRS that sets all of these rules about the alphabet soup of of accounts. And one last way, which which some people do, is if you if you're laid off, maybe you're close to retirement anyway, and you're just ready to set that account up for uh, retirement income withdrawals, is you can do a SEPP plan, substantially equal periodic payment plan. Yeah. Is that enough P's? I think I have enough P's in there. Um, and, and what that is, is you can do a calculation based on the size of the account. And so long as you withdraw this specific defined calculated amount, uh, the same amount every year, you can withdraw it however you like. You can do it month to month as long as that you hit that number every year. Um, then you can withdraw that without that 10% penalty. So there's a number of ways, but essentially all those are are just ways of avoiding that 10% penalty. Um, if you're still working and you're just looking to make a hardship withdrawal or something, you're not necessarily going to uh, it, it's you're not necessarily going to have a lot of options for avoiding that 10% penalty. All right, Mary, we appreciate your call. Let's get one final call in this hour, and it goes to Julie from Memphis. Good morning, Julie. You're on the air with us. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Um, I recently, well, I just joined the show uh, not too long ago, so I hope I'm not repeating anything, but um, I'm 53 years old and have been saving uh, for 401 all my life. Mm -hmm. And um, recently I was just uh, introduced to a solo 401k plan, Mm -hmm. and um, it's something not a lot of people know about, but Mm -hmm. um, after doing a lot of research on it, basically I was able to roll my money from... Merrill Lynch, Fidelity, I've had different ones throughout the years, and roll it over into this plan and uh, really take control back of my own money. I mean, I used to be paying over $2,000 a year in uh, just trade fees and everything with Merrill Lynch and Fidelity, and now there's certain criteria you have to meet. You have Mm -hmm. to have a side hustle or a side job Mm -hmm. in addition to your uh, full-time job, Mm -hmm. and that money that you earn from that side hustle would go right back into the 401k, but it's given me more freedom now to uh, invest in real estate or 
do some personal loans to people for certain percentage rates and whatnot. There are guidelines to go by, but if you're someone who doesn't mind calling the shots and, you know, getting more control of your money, um, it's been really successful for me so far. And I was just wondering if you had any insight to solo 401ks um, and what your thoughts were on it. Yeah, so solo four hundred one k as it's a four hundred one k in general. Uh, generally, that is for a large group. It's for a business that that's who sets it up, and that's because four hundred one ks have um, they're one of the hardest plans to administer because of the rules around them and the testing that has to be done. A solo four hundred one k, like it sounds, it's for someone who is out on their own, um, rolling solo. So if you have um, and, and and so you can't do this if all your income is W-2 income. If, if, if all your income is from going to work and getting paid and you have maybe even have a retirement plan there, that's this isn't for you. It's for folks who uh, maybe their works as an independent contractor. You have some non-W-2 income. That's money that you can put into a 401k into a solo 401k. Um, this is also, you know, I'm not, uh, the, the rules around them, you can get a little bit more creative than other ones. They're not as straightforward and simple as something like a SEP IRA, which is a simplified employee pension, but it's also something that you can set up just for yourself. Uh, and also, if they are 401ks that you have from past jobs, you're no longer working at those jobs, you don't have to have another 401k to put that in. You can just put that into a regular IRA. And the rules about what exactly you can invest in, I know you mentioned uh, personal loans and uh, and real estate, that's going to depend on the custodian. Uh, so uh, typically when we're talking about something like uh, Schwab, Fidelity, etc., you're not going to, it's, it's not going to be an easy process certainly to go out and purchase real estate or uh, give a loan to a friend. That's going to be a little more complicated uh, and those are typically called, um, oh, we're running out of time, um, but uh, discretionary 401ks, I forget um, the exact name of those, but they do allow you to invest in kind of non-publicly traded assets like that. All right, uh, Julie, thanks for your call. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or a previous show, find it by going to mpbonline.org slash money talks or listen to our podcast. Just search for Money Talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill. So for Ryder Taft, I'm Kevin Farrell inviting you stay tuned up next. It's uh, at 10. It's in legal terms, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And we'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 